pulpit too. I apologize for that. Just kidding. Uh, take your Bibles out. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Christmas. Isn't that exciting? Come on, Christmas is exciting. And uh, we're going to talk about actually really more uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, which is part of the Christmas story. They would be the, the parents of, of John the Baptist. And so I want to talk today about joy to the world. Say joy to the world. All right, now sometimes in this crazy world we think, where is the joy? Well, joy is in the Lord, amen? So Luke chapter 1, uh, it's going to be a little long, uh, just reading part of the scripture, but I've got to read this account to you because uh, this is powerful. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. So just kind of give you the backstory again. This is Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're older in age uh, and they don't have children. And we'll talk a little bit more uh, why that's a big deal and that God answers their prayer. And as you know, before this too, um, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, Jesus the Messiah was promised to come. And so the, the Jewish people of this time were, were waiting for the Messiah. They wanted the Messiah to come. So Jesus has promised to come through uh, Mary. And of course, then uh, John the Baptist is the cousin to Jesus. And so he is the forerunner. He is the one to come to tell them about Jesus. And his life is a wonderful life. And his life has purpose. And your life has purpose. Come on, amen? And so sometimes in this craziness of life, we think no one cares, no one understands what I'm going through, no one sees, no one, you know, uh, you're going to school, you're working, you're, you're serving. You just don't think it matters. And, it, and the, matter, the fact of the matter is, yes, it does matter. Your life matters to God. That's why he sent his son. And you're called to prepare the way. Isn't that exciting? Come on, come on, yeah. It, it can be exciting. So here we go. Father, I love you so much. And I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you for Christmas. I thank you for Easter. I thank you for life through Jesus. And I thank you for this account, Lord God, of Zechariah and Elizabeth and of John, who would become John the Baptist, that he would prepare the way of the Lord. And Father, you've called all of us to go and to prepare the way of the Lord in our homes, our schools, our workplaces, our communities, wherever we're at. That we are to be servants of God and, and our lives matter. Whether we're teachers, whether we're students, whether we're, we're stay-at-home parents, whether we're a, a, a technician, whatever we're doing, God, it matters because you've called us to make a difference where we're at. And we're grateful for that. And we're grateful that even though we live in a crazy world, and there's lots of weird and crazy and dangerous stuff going on, you still care for us. And you sent your son to bring joy in us. And so I pray that in our darknesses that we see, in our struggles, we work through those things by doing the right thing and finding joy in Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, Amen. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abiah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright. This is important. We'll get this in a moment. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. This is awesome. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Check this out. Your prayer has been heard. 
Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he is never to take wine or, or drink other fermented drink, or, or, or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will be will be he will be back, excuse me, read that again. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord and in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the, uh, to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18. When Zechariah asked the angel, how shall, how shall I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have... I have been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their proper time. Verse 21, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. Verse 23, but this time, of, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months, remained in seclusion. Verse 25, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away the disgrace among the people. Then just go to verse 80. Uh, it's the last verse in, in Luke chapter 1. Verse 80 says this. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. So let me just kind of again build the backstory. So Zechariah was a priest. He worked in the temple and they had a division. They went into the temple. They worked for days or weeks and they would go and offer sacrifices and they would worship. And as I, maybe some of you said, David set up a, a 24-hour worship service in the temple. And so part of the priestly job was to worship, was to offer sacrifices to incenses. And, and so he was in there and... He was drawn by lot to do this, to go into the Holy of Holies. This was a, a special time. So God set this up. God sets him up. And an angel, the, Gabriel, the, the angel Gabriel says to him, Hey, God has heard your prayers. Your wife will be pregnant. So that's a promise from God, right? When God says something and it's a promise, what's going to happen? It's going to happen. So again, Zechariah being a human, a little older in age, and he threw his wife, he threw his wife under the bus saying she was old too. Uh, men, if you haven't learned anything, you don't ever say that to a woman. Uh, and so Zechariah says, I'm along and she's old too. And, uh, so, and of course the angel says, hey, because you, you doubted us, you're going to remain silent. But God is still going to fulfill his promise. Isn't that awesome? And he says that the, the child shall be a joy. The child will turn the hearts of fathers back to, to their families and to God. Isn't that exciting? So there, there's purpose in every generation. Amen? So here we go. Let's talk about this. Number one, joy through suffering. Isn't that, doesn't sound right, does it? Joy through suffering. And you might say, Pastor Stan, how can I be joyful? This is the first thing. Letter A, if you're writing this down. How can I be joyful with so much bad news? We live in what's called a 24-7 news cycle. And uh, it's, it is. It's depressing, man. You just turn on the TV. You, put, you go to the internet. You watch the BuzzFeed. You watch all the internet. And it's just, it can be depressing all the time. The Redskins are you know, like struggling. The Broncos lost last week. I mean, the Giants lost. I mean, it's, it, or did they win? They won. That's depressing, I guess, for some. All right. but, but so, now, I'm, I'm being silly, but in, in reality, I mean, life is tough. 
And, it's, it's, and if you watch the news and you, you catch all this, you say, how can there be joy in such a terrible world? I don't feel it. And, and there's, there's wars, plane crashes, there, there's murders, crooked politicians, there, there's greedy corporations, there's terrors of natural catastrophes. Isn't it exciting? Starving children. Then you have to get up and go to work and then you have to deal with your boss and your co-workers. And then you have to worry about uh, avian flu and cancer and mad cow disease and diabetes and high cholesterol and not eating enough and not eating, uh, eating too much. And you're not supposed to eat red meat. You're not supposed to eat chalk. You're not supposed to drink coffee. You're supposed to have coffee. I mean, so it's like, you can't have gluten, you're supposed to have gluten. I mean, so it's like, it's like well, who's right, who's wrong, and, and you guys are confusing me. Right? Like, what, stop the world, let me get off. Well, sorry, it doesn't work that way. You're here to bring joy to the world. And his name is Jesus. And you are to work through this. So, so let her be. And, so, so, and I'm not trying to be mean to you, but so you think you have it bad. Let's talk about Elizabeth and Zechariah. Verse 7, it says... But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were, they were both well along in years. And so obviously, some of you are facing difficult situations and I'm not trying to make light of your difficulties and I'm not making light of the, the toughness that you're dealing with. But I want to try to help you in your perspective and say, you know what, God can work through my toughness. God can work through the darkness. God can work through this, this trial, this, this issue I'm going through. God can work all things out because He loves me. Come on, Amen. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth were, were childless. And you might say, well, that's great. No more, no diapers, no extra food, no medical costs, sleep at night. Uh, you know, and I, and I you know, it's funny because, you know, um, I just remember talking to someone about, you know, their, their young children. And, and uh, you know, I was like, what do you need? Well, I need sleep. It's like, man, then, then you shouldn't have kids. I mean, because, I mean, they, they, you do sleep later down the road and, and, and it's really cool when your kids can get up and have breakfast on their own and you don't have to feed them, you don't have to change their diapers, you don't have to buy diapers anymore. You to, I mean, isn't that awesome? But it's a joy, it really is. It's a joy raising the baby up and it, it, it brings hope. And so here, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they could not have kids. We think that's no big deal in our age. Well, this was a big deal in this age. This was a big deal in the Jewish custom here. In fact, the Jewish rabbis of that time said this. A Jew who has no wife or a Jew who has a wife and no child was to be excommunicated. We think, so what big deal? Let fooey on them. I'm, I'm my own man. I'm own more. But you don't understand. This culture was a lot different than our culture of super independence, right? And so you, if you were ostracized, you would lose your income. You would lose family connections. You would be put out and you'd have to find another way to live. And you would be looked down upon. And so there was a lot of pressure on the man and woman who had no children. And they were older in age. And so childlessness was a valid ground for divorce in that time. It was also a hard thing. And, and you say, it's not a big deal. But see, this is a big deal to families, to couples who want to have kids, but they can't have kids. And we live in this crazy world where people are just getting rid of their babies like trash. So this is a big deal because every life matters. Lives matter to God. Amen? And so let's consider what else Zechariah and Elizabeth faced. So not only were they childless, not only were they looked... I can imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth going through the market. Now, people are like, you know how it is, because you do it, I do it. It happens to us. People are like, oh, it's them. And they probably stepped away like, oh, they have a disease. Stay away from them. Or, oh, and they're like, oh, they must have sin in their lives. Something's wrong with them. Why hasn't he been kicked out of the temple yet? I can't, I can't believe that Zechariah... I know none of you do this, right? I've just seen this on TV, you know, right? 
They're like, I, I can't believe and, and they're probably texting each other. Right? Because you're doing that right now. Some of you are texting, can you believe what Pastor's saying? Um, in, fact, in fact, Pastor Raphael is going to stop all your phones here in a second. I'm just kidding. So, so, on top of that then, of course, and you've heard me say this many times, but during this time, Herod was a puppet, but he, uh, he was a puppet king to, to the Roman Empire, but he was a cruel puppet king. Um, not much later, he would have the mass murder of Jewish babies. Remember that account? Here in Bethlehem, Herod had many of his own sons and his, one, at least one of his wives killed because he was suspicious of them taking his throne. The Roman Caesars were cruel and oppressive to the Jewish people this time and to all people. If you didn't agree with them, they would take a sword out and, and take what they wanted from you. And then, of course, we talk about taxation, but taxation was much worse back then. It was uh, probably 30 times worse than what you and I face. And, and thank God for today. Thank God for science and medicine and counselors and, and prayer and, and modern technology and modern agriculture. And I'm not making light of your afflictions and your difficulties. But what I am telling you, there is hope. There is joy in Jesus. That's what the Christmas message is about. And, and we can learn from this. We can learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth and John here in a moment. Are you ready to learn? So here's what Jesus says though, first. I know I've, I've said this in the last few weeks, but I want to say it again because I want you to get this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Here's what Jesus said. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's no and if. It's you will find rest for your souls. You see, some of us in this room, we need rest. So let's talk about this. So part of the rest comes through obedience. Joy through obedience. Luke 1, six. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and regulations blamelessly. And here it is, letter A. You might say, what? So, is it really profitable to do the right thing? Is it really profitable in this crazy... And the answer is yes. The short answer is yes. Let me just go through this semi-quickly. You see, we live in a society that says, do it all that you can and however you want to get what you want, no matter what the cost, no matter who pays for it, even if it's wrong, because you can't tell me your morals are right over mine, who makes you the judge? And the reality is, God is the judge of all of us. And there are rights and wrongs. I mean, kids know right from wrong. They do. Over time, and of course you have to teach them, what's the first word you teach them usually? What? Please? And two-letter word starts N and it ends with O. <laughs> you know, no. Uh, and, but, but kids know right from wrong. You know, over time, humans know right from wrong. But as we get older, our conscience gets seared. Society tells us one thing is, is a lie or it's, it, truth is a lie. And so our society says, do what you can to get ahead. At any cost, at any value. And you see people are saying, well, how... How can this be? I mean, I try to do the right thing. I, I, I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat. I, I, don't, I don't cook the books. I don't do any of that stuff. But I'm not getting ahead. Well, let me tell you something. You will get ahead in the end. If that's the last thing. But I don't know about you, but I'd rather go to sleep at night with a clear conscience. Knowing that I try to do the right thing with God's help. Versus going to bed at night and have to put yourself asleep but through self-medication because you did the wrong. Because doing the wrong does eat at your soul. It really does. You see, many people in our society have given up right things to get success or pleasure by taking shortcuts or cheating. A secret rendezvous on a business trip. My spouse will never know. Well, 
Cooking the books to show profit. Lying to your customers so that you'll get a sale. Skimming from the cash reg- or register or, swim- or swindling from the inventory. Skimping on a product or service to make more profit. And you know that, that statement we used to hear as kids, cheaters never prosper. It's still true today. Cheaters never prosper. You see, righteous living always outweighs temporary benefits of immediate pleasure and gifts gotten through wrong. In fact, let me just quickly read this to you. Luke chapter 9. I, I might have it up here. Verses 23 through 26, when he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and show me, follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man or a woman or a teenager or a child to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And see, doing the right thing always pays off. So let it be, it profits your soul to be upright. So Elizabeth and Zechariah kept serving God in, in spite of being looked down upon. In spite of being childless, they kept doing the right things. Galatians 6, 9, let me read this to you. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Isn't that awesome? You see, there will be a day of reckoning for the whole world. Everyone will be rewarded. They will be judged. And you can write down 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. Write that down. I'm not going to read it right now. But here's my encouragement to you. Don't give up on living the Christian life at school, at work, at home, in the community. Don't, don't fall into what the world says. You've got you to gotta cheat. You've got you to gotta do this. You don't have to cheat to get ahead. Do the right thing and you will always get ahead. Come on, amen? You see, there's more to life than profit on this earth. There's more to life than pleasure. There's more to life than getting something illegal or wrongly. Don't fall into the lies of the world because here's that little list I read to you. That secret rendezvous will hurt you more than that temporary pleasure you feel by cheating on your spouse. Lying will always get you into trouble. Stealing will get you fired and possibly will put you in jail. Selling cheap services or products means less and less customers, which in turn means less profit. I, I always find that interesting when you, when you deal with a business and they do the bait and switch, right? They offer the best to you and all of a sudden, as time goes by, they start offering less and less and less. And then the, those businesses shut down for some reason. I wonder why. Backstabbing and backbiting at work to get ahead will only make enemies and not allies. In fact, probably then the boss says, you know, we don't want that kind of person around. That You need to go. So you can, don't, don't fall into the world's traps. Come on, amen? God greatly blessed Zechariah and Elizabeth. Luke 1, 24 and 25. And after his wife Elizabeth, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months, remained in, in, in seclusion. And here's what, I love this. Here's what she says. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In, in these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. That is huge. Number three, let's talk about this joy. Joy through answered prayer. Luke now uh, 1, 11 through 15. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. 
But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. I love this, verse 14. And he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. You see, your children are to be a joy to you. They can be a burden. Yes, children can get on your nerves. And I'm sure you never got on your parents' nerves, right? You were perfect. And you know where all liars go, right? I was going to say something mean, but I won't say it. They go work for the government through Congress. That was mean. So I didn't say it. I just said I was going to say it. Oh, I did say it. I'm sorry. Letter A, you might be asking yourself, does God really hear my prayers? Does God really answer my prayers? And all of us have struggled with it. All of us have wondered. All of us will wonder through our lives. And there will be times we think, God, you're, you're not hearing anything that I'm saying to you. It, it, it feels like I pray and my prayers bounce off the ceiling. And, and, and again, faith is not a feeling. Faith is I serve God whether I feel Him or not because He is God and He has shown me love. And sometimes I feel Him, sometimes I don't. His love is real all the time. And He hears our prayers. And I'm sure Zechariah prayed probably with resignation. And it was probably more just became, okay, Lord, uh, help my wife Elizabeth have a child because we believe in you. Uh, amen. Right, Elizabeth? Yeah. And she was actually, no, it was, it was, I believe it. Zechariah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just, I'm just going off a little bit, okay? I don't know how you're praying, but I'm believing that God will answer my prayer because God answers prayer. And so I want to encourage you not to give up on prayer because God answers prayer. Amen? amen. Well, Pastor, he, he hasn't answered my prayer. What do you say to that? Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep expecting God to answer because here's what he says. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You've got to go, change your attitude, number one. If you go to God, Oh God, I hope you... I don't think you're going to answer, but I'm going to pray anyway. He's like, come to me with thanksgiving. Come with the right attitude, right? The second part of this, and this is awesome too, is do not be afraid, your prayer has been answered. Uh, do I have it, Psalm 34? Do not be afraid, your prayer will be answered. Do I have the Psalm 34? This is awesome. You've you got to look at this. If you can see it. I know it's kind of hard to put your binoculars on in the back there. Write this down. This is huge. I love this. Psalm 34, 7 through 10. It says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And He delivers them. You see, we live in such a physical world, we forget that God has angels that encamp around us. Do you know what encamp means? They're surrounding you. It says, for who? Those who fear the Lord. What does fear mean? It means, God, I'm in awe of you. I, I, I worship you. And yes, you can destroy me, but you haven't. But it says that the angels of God encamp around us. So when you go to work, angels... When you're on 270, you need them. Angels, right? When you're at home, angels. You're at school, angels. When you're in church, come on. When you go play on the sports field, alright. When you're in the mall, you're, you're getting it. See, there's angels of God around us. And I love this. Isn't this awesome? It's awesome. Okay, good. Verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Check this out. Blessed is the man or woman or person who takes refuge in him. Verse 9. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack what? Say that again. 
Nothing. Verse 10. The lions may grow, grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. That is a promise from God. So will God answer your prayer? Yes, He will. Does He surround you with angels? Yes, He does. You will lack no good thing. Now, again, our list of what we think is good is not always the list that God thinks is good. You think, if I, had the, if I had the biggest house, the best car, and I had a billion dollars in the bank, and I never had to worry about my hair, and my nails, and my shoes. And God said, that's nothing. I've got everything in heaven. And you don't have to have perfect nails and perfect... You don't have to have a perfect car, perfect house, which that might be nice, but I've got Jesus. He will save your soul, and I will meet your every need, and I will do even beyond that. Isn't that awesome? God sends His angels with you. Don't give up because God hears your prayers. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. Try not to doubt. We doubt. I understand that. You see, Zechariah and Elizabeth received their unexpected miracle. God's power. Listen to this. God's power is not confined to your logic. God's power is not confined to your logic. God's power is not confined to my intellect. God's power is God's power regardless of how I think or see or believe or expect it to happen. His power is unending. Come on, amen? Christmas is about this miraculous joy that can be ours 24-7. Isn't that exciting? Pastor, I'm past my prime years. I, I doubt that God does miracles. I've seen it all. You haven't seen it all. There's a lot more that God can do. But when you think you've seen it all, then you're shutting God down. God still works miracles. Maybe you believe your time has passed, your opportunities have passed. Well, do you remember Zechariah and Elizabeth? I just read about them. Do you remember Abraham and Sarah? Over 90 years old. Isn't it exciting? A 90-year-old woman having a child. 90-year-old Abraham, I can't imagine him trying to kick the soccer ball in his walker or in his cane or, or, or breaking his leg. Maybe not, I don't know. Do you remember Joshua and Caleb taking the promised land? They were well over 80 years old. We see, always think that everything has to happen when we're young. Blessings come throughout our life. Come on, amen? God still answers prayer and it might be later on. You see, God can do in a second what we think a lifetime should happen. Let's move on. Number four, joy through the next generation. I want to talk about this for a few moments and I want you to get this. Joy through the next generation. Luke 1, 15-17. Speaking of John, for he will be great in the Spirit of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Verse 16, many of the people of Israel will be, he will bring back to the Lord their God and who, he will go on before the Lord and in the Spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You see, there is hope in this next generation. There is hope in our children. Come on, just say, yes, there is hope. You see, I, I hear it. It's very interesting because I remember, I'm, 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 I'm 50 years old now. Okay? And I remember back in the 70s and 80s, I remember hearing from older generations, not all of them, cursing my generation. Oh, they're lazy. All they're interested in is getting. All they do is they play video games. Wow, we had video games back then. Did you know that? 
All they're concerned about is their electronic devices. All their, their music drives us crazy. Right? And you think, you think our music was bad. Wow. You know, and, and, and so they're just, they're disrespectful. They, they'll never amount to much. It's funny because I hear that now talking about the next generation. Maybe I say it and I repent if I say it. But you see, if we see God's plan, He has a plan for the next generation. Young man, young lady, going to school, going to college, working, living. God has a plan for your life. You might be a doctor, a lawyer, a technician, a teacher, a, a nurse. You might be, you might just wash dishes all your life. But God has a plan in that. Believe it. Come on, amen. So if we see God's plan, then we're not going to curse the new generation. We're going to bless them. Because see, every generation has developed or, or spawned or discovered something important for us. Every generation does this. And, and I know that we don't think so, but we must encourage the next generation. We must not just endure them, because remember, your parents endured you. Right? Some of them are still enduring you. It's time for us to stop cursing the next generation. It's time to bless them. It's time to help them. It's time to encourage them. And now listen to this, young man, young lady. Just because mom and dad or, or, or your professor or your teacher or grandma and grandpa might be older doesn't mean they're not wise. Doesn't mean they don't understand what's going on. They don't understand. They don't understand. They're, they're just, they're, they don't understand. Well, they were teenagers once too. They were young people just like you at one time. And we have some experiences. And, and the reality I found is that even though technology changes and things change and music changes and hair changes, then it goes back and music goes back and all that bell bottoms come back again. I don't know. It's crazy. Swing music. I love swing music. I mean, all this stuff, it comes back. Classical music is always cool, right? What? All I know is that people are still people. And we still deal with the same things. And we, we dealt with the same things you dealt with. And I remember the day, I'm just, just kind of just for a few moments, I remember the, the, the day that I discovered that my dad didn't know everything. It was a hard day. I don't know, I was 10, 11 years old. And it, it kind of was hard that my dad didn't know everything. And, he, and here's how I said, Dad, can you explain this? He said, I don't know about that. I, I, don't, I don't have the answer for that, Stan. And it was disappointing. But I realized that he was still my dad. He loved me. He cared for me. He did the best that he could to give me a great life. And so don't despise your parents, young people. Even though they don't do everything you want. Because sometimes they can't afford to. Or because they don't want you to have that yet. Because they want you to grow up. But let me go back to parents and adults and us. Let's, let's inspire our young people. Let's encourage them. Yes, let's discipline them when they do discipline. Right? Alright, I, I won't get off to that. Letter B. You see, God will bring joy through the next generation. That's exciting. You think, well, it's, things are hopeless. It's terrible. The government's bad. We've got all this stuff. But the next generation is going to have answers for us. The next generation, young people, next generation, you're going to bring better things on this earth. You have some great ideas that we need you to step out with those ideas. Don't wait on us old folk all the time. Right? You see, God wants the younger generation to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. This next generation is going to bring a spiritual awakening that we don't even know about. And we all say, well, they, they, they just don't love God. How do you know that? Well, I don't see it, but they do. They love God. 
They may not love him the way you think they, he should, they should love them, but they love God. And they want natural, supernatural, new encounters with God. So young people, go for it. Don't let us stop you, right? But you see, it says that God wants to use the younger generation to turn fathers to their children. You see, we, we see too many parents are so busy with their careers and their hobbies that they don't have time for families. And moms and dads, let me just encourage you. That's important, but that's not the most important thing. Your kids need you. I know some of you can't help. It's my job. I just got to travel. I got to work. I have to work. I understand that, but you also need to make time for your family. You need people. We need each other. And it says that the younger generation will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children. God wants this younger generation to be ambassadors of life. And let me just tell you, parents and adults, here's our duty as parents. We are to instill a deep faith for God in the younger generation. Help them read the Bible. Help them understand. Pray with them. Teach them. Come to church. Worship, not only here, but worship at home. Because, parents, your kids see your Christianity Real or not, 24-7. They see it in the car. They see it at the home. They see it at the store. You and I, moms and dads and older generations, we're to help our kids have a bigger biblical view of the world than the world view. We're to help them to see that God has a big plan for their lives. And we may not understand it. We may not grasp it. We may not like it. But you need to let them go. See, they may not be a lawyer like you want them to be. Maybe they're going to be an artist. Maybe they're not going to be the artist that you want, but maybe they're going to be a lawyer. Maybe they're not going to be the athlete that you thought, but maybe they're going to be a great musician. I mean, let God's dreams come in their lives. Not your dreams. Don't live vicariously through your kids. Let God live out His dreams in their lives. Let them live out that dream He has for them. Amen? We must be ourselves a good example to them, being righteous and wise. They must learn their faith from us. We must live out our faith in God. Parents, let me just talk about this for a moment here. I'm going to get down to the end here. Parents and adults, our utmost calling is to make our children disciples of Christ. Our utmost calling is to help the younger generation be disciple-makers of Christ. And I know I say it, I know it bugs some of you, and I said, I said I'm not going to talk about this, but our job is not to make new Republicans. Our job is not to make new Democrats. Our job is not to make this. Our job is to make disciples. They might be Democrats, they might be Libertarians, they might be, they might be, they might be any political party. They may not vote at all. Our job is to make disciples of Jesus who are making disciples. That's our job. And so, if you can't teach them Christ, then what are you teaching them? Our job is to help them. Because, see, here's, here's an interesting, and I know it's going to bug some of you, but it's interesting that John was, was taken to the wilderness to protect him from the world system and from Herod's plan of genocide. You see, if you haven't figured this out yet, Satan has a contract out against the younger generation. He has a contract against them. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy them. He wants to take their souls from you. Young man, young lady, in your college classes, in your high school, in your middle school, and I try to tell this to people, everything your professor said is not the truth. 
Some of it is. Some of it is absolute truth. One plus one is always two. Is that a truth? Well, some math is not always a truth. And when I went to college, I didn't go to Bible college at the beginning. I went to a state university. And I went into a mentality, I'm just learning their material. I don't have to believe it all. I just need how to pass. And some of it was true. Some of it wasn't true. I remember going to biology class. It was, there was like 900 students in the class. It was, that was crazy. And the professor was mocking Christianity. So I don't need to believe her or what she's talking about, but I just need to know the material. History professors would always mock Christianity in the class, and I didn't have to believe him. I just had to know his material. So every time a professor, because you know, because I'm a pastor, I get to preach, I get to tell you what I think life is, the professors do the same thing. Teachers do the same thing. They, they want to indoctrinate you. I don't want to indoctrinate you. I want you to be a disciple of Christ. It's your choice, though. And so you, you don't have to believe everything they say. Check it out. Check it out. And by the way, everything on the internet is not true. Google is a good tool. Wikipedia is not, not very accurate, to be honest with you. You've got to be careful of that. But there is a generation of kids and young people that the enemy has a contract against them. He sends hitmen in forms of dictators, abortion, starvation, disease, violence, other depressing thoughts. The enemy wants the souls of our kids. I find it very interesting that, that he knows that every generation can prepare the way of the Lord and he tries to stop it. It's very interesting that during the time of Moses, the Pharaoh had all the young babies under two killed. Satan had a hit contract against them. During the time of Jesus, Herod has a hit contract against the babies. Do you see kind of a pattern here? In the United States of America, since 1973, over 57 million babies have been aborted. And about every year, almost a million babies are murdered through abortion. Why? Because the devil has a hit contract against kids. Because why? These kids have answers. They might bring the cure to AIDS. They might bring peace. They, they, they might. Well, I don't know. They were inconvenienced. No, no child is an inconvenience. Ever. Ever. Who are we to judge? Well, their life's not worthy. Well, well it happened in rape. There's less than point oh 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 one percent of that ever happens. But even then, I've known some people where the mom was, was raped, but yet she brought this young man into, into the world and did not abort him because his life was precious. And she never saw him as a curse, but saw him as a blessing. Children are a blessing. Now, I encourage you to get married before you have kids, because that's the biblical way. That's the right way. But you see, the devil has a contract out to destroy our kids, not just through death, but through despondency, the, the distractions of the world. But God has a plan for the next generation. Next generation, God has a plan. Say, God has a plan for the next generation. Joy will come through the next generation. And again, parents, I know, because you, know, you come home tired and you're cranky. Sometimes your kids want to just push your buttons. I understand that. Sometimes you want to push their buttons, because that's fun sometimes, right? And so sometimes that your kids cost a lot of money. Sometimes your kids break things. I mean, man, I, my dad was gracious to me, man. He was gracious to me. Um, I don't know how many things... Anyway, I'm not going to get there. He was gracious to me. Your children are joy. Say, my children are joy. Okay, if you don't have kids, then your friend's kids are joy. Okay, as long, you're like, well, good, because they get to go home. 
<laughs> well, that might be true. If you don't have kids, adopt kids. Help a family. Encourage them. Help the next generation to have purpose in life. Come on, amen. I'm going down to the end. Number, number five. The last thing is just joy through the desert. Joy through the desert. You see, John the Baptist, verse 80, it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the desert until he, was, until he appeared publicly to Israel. So how can my faith grow through tough times? Well, tough times grows your faith. You may not like it. I don't like it. You might think, where is God? God is there. He's training you. He's raising you. He didn't cause the problem necessarily, but He's going to use it to build you up. He's going to use it to make you strong. You see, if you look through the Bible, there are many accounts of people going through desert experiences, going through tough times, going through dry seasons, going through persecution. And they came back and did great things for society. And I never wish problems on any of us. I never wish a a hard time on anyone. But God can use those times to grow us up and to use them to help a next generation, to help other people, to help our family, our friends, our co-workers and our neighbors. You see, John would then become the forerunner to Christ and he would prepare the way for Jesus. Write it down. I'm not going to read it, but James 1, 2-4 says, Count it all joy when you go through these things because they produce something in us. Let her be again. Tough times, they make your spirit strong. They make your spirit strong. James 1, 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You see, God will use your trials to make you strong. John grew strong in the desert. Would you stand with me? You see, the Christmas message is about hope. It's about joy. It's about strength. And, and I know it was kind of like, you seem like it was kind of all over, but we can learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth and John because they were preparing the way for Jesus. And you see, you are called to make straight the path for Jesus today, for this generation, the next generation, the generations to come. Let me encourage you. Hebrews 10, 35-36 says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be ritually rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. You will receive what God has promised. You see, some of you in this room, you've given up on that dream. I'm going to encourage you, don't give up on that dream. If the worship team could come, I'm not really sure how I want to respond at the, at the end, but I want the worship team to come if they would like to come right now. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit to work in us right now. Let's allow Him to speak to us right now. Let's allow Him to bring us joy and hope and passion right now. Could we do that? I'm just going to pray. Would you just pray with me? Dear Lord God, help us to know that there's joy through Jesus Christ. Help us to know that there's joy in the salvation of Jesus. Help us to know there's joy in the next generation. Help us to know that we can learn through our suffering. And even though we live in... A seemingly, and it is a crazy world, and there's dark things happening. There are still good things happening too. There are still great things happening. There are greater things yet to come because we trust in the name of Jesus Christ. For my friends that are here and they're going through a tough time, maybe they've lost someone, or maybe maybe their their relationships are strained. Maybe they've been laid off. Maybe they've been looking for a job. Maybe they're maybe the dream that God gave them has not yet come. Father, would you speak joy? And purpose into them through this time. I understand the holidays can be a tough time. But Lord, help us to know that you are with us. Your angels encamp around us. 
And those that fear you lack no good thing. And so, Lord, for today, those in this room that are suffering, that are hurting, that are depressed, that are discouraged, or they're wondering where you are, Father, would you touch their lives right now? Would you let them feel the joy of the Lord in their lives right now? Christianity is not about feeling, but I'm asking for you to touch their soul right now. Lift the darkness. I love in this song that they're playing that that Jesus breaks chains. And today He wants to break the chain of heaviness upon the souls of some people in this room today. He wants to remove depression. He wants to bring life into your soul today. Would you call in the name of Jesus that name above all names? Father, there are some in this room that are under a heavy load. Would you break it? There are some that they're wondering if, if you answer prayer, would you answer prayers? There are some that are, that are depressed, they're anxious, they're living in fear, would you deliver them from that? There are some that are going through trials and need your strength, would you give them strength today? Father, there are some of us, we have not been kind to the next generation. We've looked down upon them, forgive us, help us to look at them because they're our hope, God. They're the hope of their generation and the next generation after them. We are to pour our lives into them that they will pour their lives in the next generation. That's just the way it is, God. Our job is to disciple them, not to make them happy. And making them happy will come through discipleship. And Father, would you pour out your Spirit in us and let the next generation be the one that prepares the way of the Lord because you're going to do some great things. Now in the next generation, and then the generations to come after them, should you not tarry, Lord God. I pray that your power would be manifest in us. I pray that all of us would be strong, we would persevere, and that we would not throw our confidence away in you. Because you have the answer to all things, and you have purpose in every one of us in this room. And God, I'm reminded that even though we might be older in age, we, we might be near retirement, we might have retired. You're not done with this yet. We still have purpose. From the youngest to the oldest, you have purpose for every person. You're a God of purpose. And for those in this room, Father God, that don't know their purpose, would you reveal that purpose to them right now in Jesus' name? Or they know that purpose, but they're hiding or they're fearful or they don't know how to make it happen. Would you make it happen today? In Jesus' name. Friends, with with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I have to give opportunity because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever confesses Him with His mouth and believes in His heart, they will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from darkness. Saved from hell. Saved from the destructive work of the enemy. And maybe this morning you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never made Him your Savior. And you want to do that today. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to you during this message or in the last week, the last month, the last year, the last years. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, would you just allow the Spirit to speak to you? Let Him draw you in right now. And you're, you're saying, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus. I've never done it before. And I want to give my life to Him. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. I've never done it before. I want to accept His, His love, His salvation. Father, thank you. That I pray that most of us in this room, we've accepted Christ or we're about to do that. We would do that. Now, friends, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I'm not going to call you to the front. And if you want to come at the end, but I do want to offer some time of prayer. At the end, at the end of the worship service, you're welcome to come. But I would love to pray with you. Pastor Rafi will be able to pray with you if you need. But if you need something from God right now, with all eyes closed, all heads bowed, please.
Say, God, I need something from you today. Would you just raise your hand and say, God, I need it and I believe you for it. Come on, put your hand up. Say, I need something from God today and I believe God for it. God answers prayer. Father, for my friends, just keep your hands up for a moment. Eyes closed, hands up. For my friends that put their hands up, they need something today. You know what it is. They know what it is. And God, you still answer prayer. You are still a miracle working God. Even though we may not understand, we may not know how, it might seem hopeless, but God, you're the God of all hope. And I pray for hope to be brought into every mind, every, every body, every life. I pray for your divine provision. Whatever it is, I pray for that provision to happen in the lives of those that raise their hands today. That we would trust you, Lord, and we believe you would not be anxious, knowing that you are a God that answers prayer. We thank you for the answer. Go ahead and thank him right now. Thank him in Jesus. And you can put your hands down. Father, for whatever else you want to do in this great congregation, I pray that, Father, the last two things you want me to pray for is that all of us in this room are to prepare the way of the Lord. We are to share the good news at work, at home, at school, in our classes, on the sports field, in, in the malls, wherever, at the restaurants, with the coffee shops, wherever we're at, 